This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Psalm 102, the book of Psalms, one of my favorite books in all the Bible. And while you're turning there, let me just say that I believe that the Bible is inspired. I believe it's inerrant. I believe it's infallible. I believe that it's the Word of God. I believe that is not only informative, but I believe that it's transformative. Now, I'd venture to say that just about everyone in this auditorium tonight would agree with both of those statements. And if you truly believe that to be so, and and you'd say from an honest heart and a sound mind uh, that you believe the Word of God, then I'm going to ask you as we open up the Word of God, as we open up the Bible tonight, to do four things. Uh, First, I'm going to ask you to receive the Word. I'm going to ask you to receive the Word. Receive it not only into your mind, but into your heart. If you're going to truly receive the Word of God, then you must approach it humbly. And uh, you must say to God, Lord, I I know that I don't have all the answers, um, and and I I don't know everything. I understand, Lord, that I'm unworthy of your love and and, uh, and the power that you display in my life. And I'm completely insufficient, but Lord, I know that you're all powerful and that you're all sufficient. And, um, and receive the Word. And if we're going to receive the Word, we must receive it humbly. I'm going to ask you to do a second thing, and that is submit to the Word. Submit to the Word. As God speaks to your heart, submit to His will. It may cause you to be uncomfortable. I don't know if you're like me. When you open up the Word of God, it's not always comforting. Now, I, I enjoy the times when it is, but it's not always comforting. Um, sometimes it's heart-piercing, and uh, it's a little uncomfortable. It's convicting. Uh, but it may rub you the wrong way. It may uh, disrupt some things in your mind and in your heart. Uh, but purpose in your heart that whatever God says, that you'll do. I'm going to ask you to do a third thing, and that is apply the Word. Apply the Word. God doesn't desire for us, uh, we understand, to just be hearers of the Word, but He desires for us to be doers of the Word. Uh, it can be very difficult for some uh, of us, including myself many times, to do step one and two. And for others, it, it may be very easy. Uh, but for both groups of people, it's difficult to apply the Word of God. And, and we, of course, all know that. We've all been there. And we've all uh, maybe done, we've, we've received the Word. We've, we've submitted to the Word even, but we fail yet to apply the Word. And as we look into the Word of God, I'm going to ask you to do a fourth thing, and that is to live in the Word. I want to encourage you tonight to live in the Word. The Bible says in Colossians 3.16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The Lord Jesus uh, does not uh, you know, desire for His Word to simply pass through you, but to, He desires that it dwell in you. And that's clearly what we read in the Word of God. I'm here to confess to you that so many times in my own life, I've done step one, I've done step two, I've done step three, but I failed to truly live in the Word of God. And, and, and I'm here to tell you that if we fail to live in the Word of God, if we fail to live in it, then we forfeit the peace. We forfeit the comfort. We forfeit the truths that God has given us as a roadmap to help us live this life. 
And I want to encourage you to do those four things as we approach the Word of God tonight. Psalm 102, if you have your place there, I want you to read with me beginning there in verse 1. The psalmist says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call. Answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burned as an hearth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass, so that I forget to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I watch and am as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. Mine enemies reproach me all the day, and they that are mad against me are sworn against me. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. Because of mine indignation and thy wrath, for thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. My days are like a shadow that declineth, and I am withered like grass. But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever, and thy remembrance unto all generations. Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion, for the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. For thy servants take pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. So the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth thy glory. Verse 16 says, When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. This shall be written for the generation to come. And the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. Look with me in verse 19. The Bible says, For he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven did the Lord behold the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to loose those that are appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. I'd like to speak to you very briefly tonight uh, on this topic, when God looks down, when God looks down. Pray with me. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would help me, enable me, Lord, to deliver your word in a swift manner. I pray, Lord, that you would please use your word tonight to speak to hearts. Use me, I pray, and to empty me of myself, Lord, so that I may be full of you. Help us, Lord, to all receive what you have for us tonight. I thank you, Lord, for speaking to me, and I ask, Lord, that you would just continue to speak through your word. Help us, Lord, to receive it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. When God looks down, I want to draw your attention once more to verse 19 and 20. It says, For he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary, from heaven did the Lord behold the earth. Verse 20 says, To hear the groaning of the prisoner. If you're in the habit of making notes or taking notes, I'd like for you to write down point number one. When God looks down, he hears the cries of his children. He hears the cries of his children. What a wonderful and comforting thought, truth to know that when we cry out to the Lord, that the Lord hears us. My son Bennett, he was just at me with or with me at a um, at a, uh, a Sunday school men's get together at Dax Allen's house the other day, and and he's having the time of his life. He's playing around. He's full of energy, and all those who have been around him know he's full of energy. And uh, he's three years old, and you know everything right now is just a catastrophe. Everything that happens, the world just falls apart. And uh, and so anything that he does, and I'm, those of you who have young children, you understand. I mean, if he barely scrapes his knee, oh, it's the end of the world. Dad's got to know. Mom's got to know. And the first thing he does is he comes running. Now, what's interesting to me 
is that when that happens, I've learned this as a father, is that when he comes to me and he's weeping, he's wailing, he's, it is not so much that he is focused on the pain. The pain, it really isn't most of the time, is what he's concerned about. What he's concerned about is the comfort of knowing that I'm aware of his pain. He just wants me to know. He looks at me and, Daddy, boo-boo, you know. And he always comes to me and he says, hold you, hold you. And I'll say, okay, I'll let you hold me. Come on. And, uh, and it's the most precious thing. I don't ever want him to grow out of it. But it's just so interesting to me that so many times, even when it's a really bad boo-boo, let me tell you, and they come. And even when it's a bad one, he comes to me and he's weeping and wailing. And the moment that he holds me, the moment that he's in my arms and he recognizes that I understand his pain, I'm here, I see it, he's okay. That's so many times that's us. And what's interesting to me is that to Bennett, dad can fix anything. Oh, he can fix anything. In his mind, he can do it all. I can do whatever it takes to make him better. Now, we, of course, know that uh, quickly he's going to grow out of that and realize that I'm only human as well, and I can't fix everything. But we know one who can, and we know that when the Lord hears our cries, whatever it may be, whatever we're going through, we know that God, in his power and in his sovereignty, he can fix it. We don't have all the answers, but he does, and we need to look to him. Psalm 66 says, I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not hear me, but verily God had or hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. 1 John 5.14 says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we seek anything according to his will, he heareth us. Psalm 116 verse 1 says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Here we have accounts in the word of God that we know that God hears us when we cry from a pure heart for his knee or for his, uh, his help in our life. We understand and we can be comforted with the thought that when his children cry to him, he does not turn a blind eye. He does not turn a deaf ear. He hears us and he's there for us. It's a wonderful thought. Let me tell you, it's a wonderful thing to have someone who knows um, exactly what you're going through. There's many of you maybe in the same exact stage as Kaylee and I, and maybe with young children and things, and it's very comforting to know that when you're struggling with something or when you've just been through it and you've just had a day, you can speak to someone and they, they're familiar with what you've gone through. They know. Maybe they're going in it, they're going through it in this exact moment. Maybe uh, it's someone a little bit older and they've been through it already. But it's a comforting thing to know uh, that, that when we're going through something, someone else knows what we're going through. Can I tell you something, though, tonight? And, and so many times, I mean, I accuse myself of this because uh, I, I'm guilty for this. So many times we'll look to those people for not only comfort, but we'll look to them for answers. And we'll think, well, maybe they've got it figured out. Maybe they know and they can tell me exactly what I need to do, exactly how I need to respond to this person or to that or whatever the situation may be. And we fall into that pitfall and think that they have the answers. And the truth of the matter of fact is that they don't. It is a very comforting thing to, for someone to be able to relate to you and sympathize with you. 
But the truth of the matter is that they're sinners just like you and I, and they're in need of God's grace and answers from the Lord as well. I can't speak for you, but I know that I'm guilty of that, of looking in all the wrong places. The Apostle Paul exhorts us in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 to look to Christ. Many of you know this verse. He writes, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want you to look with me in verse 17. Psalm 102 and verse 17. Let's back up a few verses here. The psalmist says this, and I don't want you to miss this. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. That word destitute has the meaning of, of, of nakedness or poverty. It obviously is implying that one, uh, that one that is naked and poor is one that is broken, ashamed, desperate, hurting. And most importantly, going through all of that, they're humble. They have a sense of humility about them. We, we tend to be such proud people, don't we? Now, I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself. But man, we tend to be so proud. For whatever reason, we think so highly of ourselves. And, and if there's, uh, as if there's anything such uh, worthy of such thinking, when we view ourselves in the light of God, we know in His righteousness that no matter how materially wealthy we are, no matter how intellectual we may be, uh, no matter how good of a life we may have, when we view ourselves in the light of the sovereignty and the righteousness of God, we are truly, as the Bible says, just as filthy rags. We're naked and poor. We're desperate and in need. Knowing this, when we pray before an almighty God, may we not approach His throne proudly, self-centered, but rather humbly, and willing to express our total and complete depravity and need for His grace in our lives. Now, here's a comforting truth. I want to bring your attention now to the fact that here in verse 20, where we kind of park the bus here. Here in verse 20, the psalmist presents this verse to us in past tense. He says, he hath looked down. Now, what is that signifying? It's signifying that when we approach his throne humbly and in our proper state of total dependence upon him, our God will look down. It's signifying that our Savior will not uh, leave us to be swallowed up by our grief. It's signifying the assurance in the proven track record of God's faithfulness to His people. It's signifying that we can rest in this promise. He hath looked down and He will look down. What a comforting thought. I'm thankful for the moments that the Bible, that God uses His Word to convict my heart. But oh, it's so sweet when the Bible comforts us with verses like this. It's an amazing thing to know that God will come to your aid. Isn't it an amazing thing to know that God will not let you fight your battles on your own? We've been learning a lot about this going through First and Second Samuel in the life of David. And so many of the Psalms are written by David. And it's just an amazing thing to see how many times uh, King David, or even before he was king, was running for his life. And so many times God met him where he was as he poured out his heart before the Lord. Can I tell you that that God that showed up for David is the same God that will show up for you today? And no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, He will come to your aid. We have this confidence. We have this assurance. And what a wonderful truth we find here. Some of the greatest psalms are written by David, the man after God's own heart, as we know him. If you're familiar with these psalms, then you know that 
they were written really with a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, one minute, David, he's on the mountaintop and he's praising God for his goodness and his faithfulness and his grace. And the very next minute, he's at rock bottom. And he's just begging God to intercede on his behalf. In many cases, we find David in this state of grief. When we find him in this state of grief, David is literally running for his life. Time after time, he's in a position of not only grief, but literally just trying to keep himself alive. Now, I can imagine that not many of you have tried to just simply keep yourself alive this week. All right? And I know it gets busy here you know, at the school, but you will survive. All right? We will survive, okay? Staying alive, staying alive. I'm just kidding. I took CPR classes this week and just got that song in my head. Anyway, um, but we'll survive. We will survive, all right? But so many times, David, we find him. He's not only just going through it. He's not just having a bad week. No, he's literally running for his physical life. Now, during these times, we read of David pouring out his soul to the Lord, begging God for help, begging for God to deal with his enemy. And what we find is that God never failed to come alongside of David and not only help him, but to fight for him. It's the most amazing thing. Now, there's three things here that makes, uh, that, that's made known to us, rather, to us concerning why God was always so close to David. Now, of course, there's more than just three things, but three things that the Holy Spirit of God spoke to me about specifically. God was so close to David in the span of his life because David had a hunger for God. He sought after God, and we know this based upon the Scripture. Psalm 34 and verse 4 says this, I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 72 and verse 2 says, In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. Psalm 119 says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Psalm 119 continues to say, I am thine. Save me, for I have sought thy precepts. Can I tell you that you may be going through something that you can't find the answers to, that everywhere you turn, it's a closed door. I tell you, the housing market right now, it's insane. All right, now I understand I haven't been an adult that too long, okay? And I understand that I haven't had that many houses, but I will tell you this. I'm no dummy to look at the housing market and say, wow, someone trying to find a house in this market, I can imagine this roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, whatever else it may be. Brother Odom, as he deals with all these projects and these buildings and things, I can imagine that he comes into roadblock after roadblock and so many other things. You may be in a relationship tonight. Uh, you may be a husband and a wife or whatever it may be, a son and a father or a daughter and a mother, and you may be going through something and you just don't have the answers. Can I encourage you? Can I ask you, have you sought the Lord? We long so many times for the Lord to be close to us, but yet we fail to draw close to Him. Have we sought the Lord? God was so close to David because David had a heart of repentance. What a wonderful truth I learned personally from the heart of David. He had a heart of repentance. It wasn't always immediate, but when David messed up, he was sure to search his own heart and to ask God to forgive his sin. He took responsibility for his own sin and made it right before the Lord. One of the most heart-piercing chapters in all the Bible is the great psalm of repentance after the prophet Nathan came to King David after he had been living a life of unconfessed sin for a whole year, the Bible records. And we find this response from David. Psalm 51. 
He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Oh, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Can I ask you, have you searched your own heart? Have you come to a moment in your life when you've said, Lord, is there anything in my heart? I don't understand why this person is against me. Lord, I don't understand why this is not going for me. I don't understand why I cannot mend this relationship. I can't get my act together. I can't, whatever it may be. Have you stepped back and said, Lord, is there anything in me? Can I tell you, in my life, just the short amount of time I've been living on this earth, when I do that, most of the time, boom, right there, it settles all for me. Lord, is there anything in my heart that I need to confess to you, that I need to get right with you, that I need to be purged from, cleansed from, so that I can have the right perspective? And I tell you, most of the time, immediately when that happens, when I do that, if I have the discipline to do so, God shows me, and it solves it all. He was sought after the Lord. He had a heart of repentance. And the third thing, God was so close to David because David was willing to do whatever God wanted him to do. In the book of Acts, the apostle Paul speaks of God's feelings about King David. He says in Acts 13, 22, it says, After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Wow. Can God say that of you? Put your name there. I have found Andrew, a man after my own heart. He will do, he will do everything I ask him to do. It's a convicting thought. Can I ask, are you fully submitted to God? Are you fully submitted to him? If we desire for the Lord to be close to us, especially in times of trial, especially in time of struggle. It may be financially, it may be physically, it may be emotionally, it may be socially, it may be spiritually, whatever it may be. Do we desire to be close to the Lord? And if so, ask yourself these questions. Am I submitted to Him? Do I have a heart of repentance? Do I hunger after the Lord? Have I sought after Him? I truly believe that's three of the biggest reasons why God was so close to David. What a wonderful truth we find here. Number two tonight, when God looks down, he molds us into his image. I want you to look with me in verse 20 once more. It says, to hear the groaning of the prisoner to loose those that are appointed to death. Now, I failed to ask to do this, but I want you to underline in verse 20 there, to hear. If you're in the habit of marking notes in your Bible, to hear. And then I want you to underline the two words, to loose. Too loose. Now, this word loose has a twofold meaning here. And of course, it, it naturally has the meaning of freeing, right? This verse is, of course, referring to God's people that were in captivity. They were in bondage. They were literally prisoners that were appointed to death. And this is the, the history behind this psalm. So what did God do? He heard the cry of his people and he freed them from physical death. 
I, I believe also, this is not the second meeting, but I also underneath this heading, I believe that this has a spiritual implication here, that when God looks down from his sanctuary to hear our cry, he not only frees us physically, but he frees us spiritually. I believe that God doesn't just free us from physical death, but of course we know and we're comforted by that God frees us from spiritual death, from eternal death and eternal separation from Him. Can I tell you, it's a wonderful thing to know that God does not just free us from these physical, material, earthly things, but hey, Jesus Christ has made a way on the cross of Calvary and by the resurrection through His power that we can have eternal life. That is the most important thing that we could talk about. That is the most important thing that you could settle in your life. Don't leave here tonight without trusting Christ as your Savior. Praise God that He frees our souls. Romans 5.8 tells us, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In 1 Corinthians 6, the Apostle Paul speaks to the Corinthians, and he says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Oh, that's one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. When I was reading that as a little boy, I read that and I thought, so many of those are me. Paul, but when I got to that verse, and such were some of you, but ye are washed. Oh, I praise God that he not only frees us physically, oh, but that he frees us spiritually. He offers that eternal life, and He's offering that to you tonight if you've never trusted Him. Now, here's the second meaning of this word loose. If you, if you study this in its original context, it literally means to carve. It means to carve. And this is what I mean when I say when God looks down, He molds us into His image. You see, through our disappointment, through our pain, through our struggle, all the while the Lord is teaching us to rely on Him. And hey, when we do, we realize that we don't have all the answers. So what do we do? We humble ourselves before Him. As a result, we turn to Him and we seek for His help. Now don't miss this. This is not something that is done overnight. This is a process. And through this process, God is molding us into His image and to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Struggles in our lives are not pleasant. They, of course, are not comfortable. They are not easy to deal with. But if we want to become more like Jesus Christ, then we must embrace our struggle with the power of God's grace and the confidence that He is in control and be willing to say to God, Lord, I don't have all the answers, but I know that You do. Lord, teach me to depend on You. So many times we're so focused on the product. And what I mean by that is the end result. God's freeing, whether it's physically, spiritually, whatever it may be. We're so focused on the product that we forget the process. And all the while, just like the people of God here that we read about in the Psalms, all the while in captivity, God doesn't say, don't just look for the product Oh, but turn your eyes on me through the process. See what I'm trying to do in your life. 
oh, when I read that, it just totally transformed my thinking. And I thought, Lord, so many times we're just looking for a way out. And God does provide a way out, of course. We know that. He provides an answer. We know that. We can rest in that. But all the, way, all the while, God's saying, don't forget that through your struggle, I am teaching you. I am molding you. I desire to draw you closer to myself. It's a wonderful thought. Number three tonight, when God looks down, he demands our praise. He demands our praise. I want you to look with me in verse 21. I'll be done here shortly. The Bible says, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. I want to very quickly, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 138. Will you turn with me to Psalm 138? This is a part of the final Davidic collection of Psalms here, uh, which comprises Psalms 138 through 145. Many commentators believe that these Psalms were written as an expression of thankfulness after the return from exile in Babylon. So here we find David praising Jehovah for his mighty hand of sovereignty and deliverance. In Psalm 138, I just want to read one verse 3. It says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy thy name rather for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answered me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. Oh, it's such powerful words. One commentator states this. He says, here we find that David is prepared to own his God before the gods of the heathen or before angels or rulers. He declares that he will instruct and convert kings and nations till every highwayman uh, man shall sing the praises of the Lord. Having thus spoken, he says, he utters his personal confidence in Jehovah who will help his lowly servant and preserve him from all the malice of wrathful foes. What a comforting thought. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest theologians the world's ever known, and many would argue, uh, says this concerning this Psalm of David here in 138. He states this, and I want you to listen to this. He says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. His mind is so taken up with God that he does not mention his name. To him... There is no other God. And Jehovah is so perfectly realized and so intimately known that the psalmist in addressing him no more thinks of mentioning his name than we should do if we were speaking to a father or a friend. He sees God with his mind's eye and simply addresses him with the pronoun thee. He is resolved to praise the Lord and to do it with the whole force of his life, even with his whole heart. He would not submit to the act as one under restraint because of the opinions of others, but in the presence of the opponents of the living God, he would be as hearty in worship as if all were friends and would cheerfully unite with him. If others do not praise the Lord, there is all the more reason why we should do so and should do so with enthusiastic eagerness. 
This is what spoke to me. He says this, We need a broken heart to mourn our own sins, but a whole heart to praise the Lord's perfections. If ever our heart is whole and wholly occupied with one thing, it should be when we are praising the Lord. Can I tell you something tonight? And I'll be finished here. God has given us a reason to praise Him. His Word has given us a reason to praise Him. We had a wonderful choir practice. And everybody who knows anything about choir, or knows me at all, or is in the choir, or has ever been a part of the choir, knows that when we get around this time of the year, I am Christmas crazy. And I love it. It's the greatest time of the year when we celebrate the birth of our Messiah, our Lord. And we had a wonderful time as we came together and we just sang. We listened to the songs. We were introduced to them. And as we listened to them, I could hear everyone singing. And I'm going to tell you something. I love when the choir gets up here and sings. Oh, I put my whole heart into it because I don't know any other way. I love to worship the Lord with God's people. That's truly in my heart. That is not a front I enjoy it more than anything else on earth. But I'm going to tell you something. I love choir practice because we don't have to worry about everything else and all these distractions. We can, If we mess up, we mess up. That's what practice is for. And we just sing to the Lord with our whole heart. It's a wonderful thing to worship with God's people. It's encouraging. But can I challenge you with one thing? When you are going through something in your life, can you, just you, no one else can you have a heart of praise to God. It's easy. Well, I say it's easy. It's a lot easier than doing it on your own. But in compared to doing it on your own, it's very simple. It's very easy to come to church and to get all dressed up, as Brother Troy mentioned this morning so many times we do. And we come to church, and our life is falling apart, and, and, and we're dealing with so many things that we don't have answers to, and, we're, and we may be going through depression. We may be going through uh, something that is just rattling us all throughout the week, and we come to church, and, oh, man, we just look like the greatest little praise team that you've ever seen in your life. Boy, we're just praising God and, hey, man, let's sing praise Him, praise Him. Yeah, I love the Lord. Hey, man, yes. Hey, it's okay. It is okay to be a little broken. It is okay. That's why we come to church, is so that we can be encouraged and edified and unified with the body of Christ, so that we can be challenged. But can I tell you something? It may be simple sometimes to come into church and to do that, but let me ask you, when you get back into your vehicle and you go home, do you still have that heart of praise? I'm not saying it's easy. It's, it's not at all. <laughs> it's very difficult when you're going through things that you don't understand why you're going through them to have a heart of praise. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Again, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. When I am going through something in my life, I don't understand why I'm going through it. When I do choose to turn that around and to praise the Lord anyway, immediately the Holy Spirit of God comforts me. Oh, immediately. I love what Brother Dan said. He said that we can do something that most unbelievers or unbelievers they can't do when they're going through trials. We can continue singing. Why? Because we have a hope. We have eternal destiny. We have a home in heaven that we're looking forward to. Oh, we're going home one day. Praise the Lord for that. We shall see Jesus.
just as he is. And I'm looking forward to that day. How many of you know the song, I Will Praise Him? You know the song, I Will Praise Him? I'm going to ask Mindy to go ahead and come to the piano here. This is going to be our hymn of invitation tonight, I Will Praise Him. I love the author, uh, how the author of this wonderful hymn conveys an attitude of purposeful praise. And just for a moment, I want you to continue to still yourselves and just to listen as I read the lyrics of this song. It says, When I saw the cleansing fountain open wide for all my sin, I believe it's hymn number 256, I obeyed the Spirit's wooing when he said, Wilt thou be clean? Verse 2 says, Though the way seems straight and narrow, all I claimed was swept away. My ambitions, plans, and wishes at my feet in ashes lay. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, I'm so glad he took me in. He's forgiven my transgressions. He has cleansed my heart from sin. Glory, glory to the Father. Glory, glory to the Son. Glory, glory to the Spirit. Glory to the three in one. May we purpose in our heart to praise Him, even through the storm, even through the struggle, whatever you may be going through, purpose in your heart to have a heart of praise. Can I tell you that praise is just as purposeful as prayer is? Oh, we're, we're so quick to purpose to get on our knees and, oh, praise the Lord. It's needed. We must because we understand our depravity. We understand our total dependence upon the Lord. But when we arise from our knees, may we understand that God has already won the battle, that He has all the answers, that He hears the cries of His children. What a wonderful thought. He hath looked down. Aren't you thankful that God has looked down on you, and that He will look down on you? What a wonderful truth. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.